passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Welcome to Rewind a Dynamite. I'm John Pollock with Waiting. Happy Wednesday. How is everyone doing? You're asking me how everybody's doing? If anyone else wants to speak up, they're free to, but by process of elimination, that leaves you. How are you? Okay. All right. Well, um, I, don't, I don't know if I speak for everybody, but I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. How about you? I almost got hit by a car today. That's not good. No, it's not. I was crossing the street. It was my signal to go, the green light, and someone decided to power their – go through a – make a left on a green while I'm crossing. And it was one of those situations where no brakes, nothing. Like if I hadn't have stopped, uh, Way would have been doing this one solo tonight. That's all I'll, I'll be saying. This person just like – just zoomed past me. Look, like I literally had to stop in my steps. If I had gone any further – I was not winning that equation. Oh, God. Sorry. Yeah. So, so you were walking. Yes, I was walking. Yeah. I was crossing the street with the right of way. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. This person who just had to make this left turn and just zoomed in front of me, like like centimeters in front of me. Did you get the, a license plate? I mean- No, I just I had my I had my headphones on and I just gave this person like the look of death, like- they nearly gave me. Um, just went right by. Like looked at me, kept going. Like this is a reckless person. I'm sorry to hear that. Glad well, I'm it wasn't, okay. Yeah, glad it wasn't ter- um, bad news. Well, you know what I said under my breath. What? I said I don't care if you're a member of the cafe. You are not winning a T-shirt tonight on our show. So you, Miss, are disqualified. Whatever your name is. Um, but someone is going to be a lucky winner of our random draw among our, all our cafe members tonight. Are you ready to give away a shirt? I'm ready. I just I, I hope that um, we don't draw the person who nearly ran you over. I feel if you, if you draw their name, I'll know it. I'll just I'll just know it deep down. Okay. So you know, worry. how about whoever wins? We ask them to submit their license plate as well as a photo of their vehicle. <laughs> yeah, where were you this afternoon in downtown yeah. Toronto? Yeah. Okay, here we go. The uh, the drum roll is coming. Um, wait, wait, wait. An extra sh- uh, drum roll there. And the winner that Way has selected, this person, is named 
Joe Juarez. Congratulations, Joe, from Denver, Colorado. You are definitely the wasn't it definitely wasn't that person today. So yeah. Congratulations. All the way from Denver, Colorado. Yeah, we won't need your license plate. I think we're we're pretty confident about this one. But Joe Juarez, congratulations. You win a t-shirt of your choice from store.postwrestling.com. Right now you can get the Post Pro Res t-shirt. You can get the Rocky by Via Picture Shows t-shirt. You can get a Rewind Away t-shirt, a little bit of the Foily t-shirt, our toques, our caps, everything post wrestling you can find at store.postwrestling.com. All right, go uh, go check out the store, support Post Wrestling. We appreciate it very much. And if you are a Cafe member, coming up this week, we've got a live Cafe Hangout Thursday, 3 o'clock Eastern, where we're going to be previewing Double or Nothing, and we'll be joined by David Bixenspan to chat about the Dark Side of the Ring episode covering Owen Hart, all of uh, David's reporting on the Owen Hart case. Uh, that's coming up Thursday. Friday night, we've got Rewind to SmackDown on the Cafe. And what are we chatting about on SmackDown? We'll be ch- chatting about WWE <laughs> SmackDown. Uh, I was just making sure you were paying attention. <laughs> I'm paying attention. Yes, of course. On, on Rewind to SmackDown, what are we going to be chatting about? Well, Thunder, actually, John. <laughs> um, so that's coming up on Friday as well. We will. Uh, are we going to? We'll, we'll go through Dark Side of the Ring as well as per our our regular uh, reviews. But we'll probably get into it as well on the Hangout Thursday. So uh, I know it's an episode a lot of people want to discuss. And then if that's not enough, more of us on Saturday night uh, after Double or Nothing. Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso members will be able to tune in live for our Double or Nothing post-show. It'll be Way and I from separate locations chatting about uh, 10 individuals fighting inside of a football stadium. Yeah, yeah, among other uh, uh, places within that area. Including my favorite tagline. I thought nothing was going to top the greatest match of all time for Edge and Orton, but we've got on Saturday night, Sean Spears versus Dustin Rhodes. Why the hell not? According to Jim Ross. Um, why the hell not? Why the hell not? Well, listen. I mean, these shows have... They're, they're not going to make four hours themselves. You know? That is on Saturday. And then Sunday, the real main event of the entire weekend. It is Waiting and Pauline with Total Recall chatting the latest episodes of Total Bellas. Yes, we will be back on the Post Wrestling Cafe. All right. So uh, check out uh, all of that stuff. Let's move on. Um, before we get into the news, I did want to mention uh, we we did put uh, links to this in our updates yesterday and today. Uh, but there is a GoFundMe account for uh, Larry Sonka, who passed away earlier this week. And I want to make mention of this. Uh, you can go um, into Wednesday's update, Tuesday's update. We have links there to the GoFundMe. Uh, you can go to GoFundMe and just search for uh, Larry Sonka or Larry Mania, and the link will come up. Um, they've already raised more than half of the goal, which is a real incredible figure. Um, he had a wife and uh, two children. So I want to m- mention that off the top, if you would like to donate to that, a uh, very worthy cause. Um, and then we have a sad story to start off with. And one that was a uh, one that we were unfortunately expecting. And that was, uh, they did find the body of uh, Shad Gaspard on Wednesday in Venice beach, California, stemming from Sunday's incident and there's no um, there, there's no way to describe this other than a really tragic story. I would imagine that there is at least the the closure of finding the body, but this is just an awful story. But one that was kind of when we talked about it the other night, way this was the unfortunate inevitable outcome with all the circumstances surrounding this. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think, you know, um, today really we got to see a lot of people um, share their thoughts. I mean, it, it felt a little bit weird to do it Monday because, you know, as, as maybe as small as that window of uh, possibility. Um, nothing was official. At nothing was official. And, you know, like the people who really, really did want to hold out, out hope um, did for as long as they could. But today with with that confirmation is is when you you got to see really i think you know especially from a lot of his peers a real outpouring of of just you know their thoughts and memories of, of the man and uh as as the days have kind of progressed you really just get a, a a real picture of uh what a great human being this dude was it wrestling aside you know just just um yeah so uh, very very sad yeah, there was a mention of him on AEW tonight. Um, I haven't seen NXT yet, but uh, I, I'm sure WWE, they had lots of mentions of this online. Um, it's, you know, he, he died in the most heroic way possible, but it's it's such a tragedy the way this, uh, uh, his life uh, ended. But that is how the day started off on Wednesday. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring aired on Tuesday night. It was the season finale of the series with the Owen Hart episode, and it did 349,000 viewers, making it the most watched episode in the history of the series, topping the Benoit episode. And in an interesting series of uh, stats attached to the ratings, among adults and males, 18 to 49, adults 18 to 34, uh, women 12 to 34, and adults 25 to 54, in all those categories, Dark Side of the Ring topped last Wednesday's episode of NXT. That's amazing, and and, and uh, that includes the main demo. Uh, and they did a they did like a point one eight, and NXT did a point one five last week. That is insane when you think about it. Yes, especially considering the carriage that Vice has compared to USA, um, and the fact that this was you know not a WWE property but something that and, and was going against. Independent going against WWE programming too, because FS1 was airing the Ruthless Aggression episode on Tuesday. Like that's not giant, but it's, it's not nothing either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's uh, incredibly successful. What do you think happens next? Obviously it's a no brainer that vice would want season three to me. If, if I'm the producers and directors, number one, I, I think that uh, they, they would probably want a bit of a breather from all this. There's also the limitations of what you can even uh, dive right into next. I mean, going and shooting documentaries is not going to be as feasible as it was uh, several months ago, given the current climate. But they have um, – I, I I hope, like, for season three, these guys have a lot of, like, leverage to me <laughs> in terms of getting um, a very favorable deal for a third season and – they have created something gigantic here for sure. Yeah. For vice, you know, it's, it, it is, uh, the greatest success I, I believe they've had on, on, on their television, uh, platform. Definitely. So, you know, I, I've heard of discussions of, or at least rumors of them trying to branch it out to other sports doing a similar type of series. So I can see them continuing to go ahead with those plans. Um, but for the wrestling side of things, I mean, it's certainly, shown that there's an audience that is willing to seek out vice television for these types of things so um you know we also have to i guess consider at this point like what sort of budgets they might have 
uh, how much money they can put into new productions. I I imagine you know something like a documentary. Um, I I actually don't have no idea, but um, you know I I I I'm sure that uh, cost of production is going to factor in into how much they can really greenlight at this point too. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and I mean these guys were able to show that they could. You know, they, they've talked about it in certain interviews and such that, you know, they have they do have a limited budget. They can't travel to every last place and interview every single person and and what season three looks like. Like now you have all of the like you have the audience, you've created this thing. And now it's um, what 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 do you do as a follow up to it? And and, and what, what do like Jason Eisner and Evan Husney want to be doing next? Um, I think you have to kind of make it worth their while to to do this again um, because, you know, they, to me, have greatly increased the entire scope of uh, Vice TV. So I'm very curious to see how uh, they follow this this franchise. And on the point about spinoffs of Dark Side, uh, in theory, that sounds like the thing you do in television is you take a, a popular concept and you branch it out, you beat it to the ground. No, well, that that's it. Um, but I would I would say that yes, there are certain genres that you could do this with. Um, but to find the the level of interest that you are going to going to find with pro wrestling fans, but also the access available, I don't know if you could necessarily just suddenly go to Dark Side of the NBA. And imagine that you can get the kind of access you can to such major stories that are known and get that access with the principal figures involved. And I think that that would be – it will be very uh, difficult to me to just from scratch go to different industries and, and find that. And I don't – that like dark side of MMA, there's tons of interesting stories, but I don't know if that will catch on to the same degree that uh, a pro wrestling themed documentary series would. It it all depends on how it's marketed, but I, I think that that's uh, it's it's easier said than done to just suddenly create like five of these. It's true, yeah. I mean, at that point, you'd be competing with the likes of ESPN and uh, you know a number of other, I would say, you know, uh, bigger um, TV channels that probably have a stake in producing more mainstream sports content. But listen, John, we could do uh, there. There are plenty of niche sports out there. Okay, dark dark side of game shows. Uh that that might be something or i was more so thinking dark side of the nascar track dark side of the badminton court uh oh. dark side of the ping pong table you know but certainly wrestling really does provide like i would say a very unique i i think platform that is both incredibly colorful has a number of really uh, interesting characters and really interesting stories um yeah, it would be, a, I guess, a, a a bit of a different challenge trying to use the template for another sport. Uh, Raw on Monday night, not as favorable uh, in terms of their trends. Although, I mean, in this this whole climate, Raw is still doing very well among cable programming. Um, but their audience continues to be down. 1,757,000 viewers on Monday. Uh, their viewership was down 8.5%. And the demo was down nine. This was their second lowest number um, of of modern history. This is just below the well, just ahead of the number a couple of weeks back on May fourth, which would be the all time low. Um, so last week was um, a positive sign, and I think a lot of it was probably on the Becky Lynch announcement. And they were able though to maintain people throughout that show. With this one, um, 
hour one and two, very consistent around the uh, 1.81 million range. And then we fell down in the final hour to uh, just over 1.6 million. So we did see that drop in the third hour. Um, but it just seems like last week was a one week reprieve. And I think this is the kind of the level that they're going to be landing around for for the time being, unless you have something significant where we can be flirting with two million viewers. That's now like the new high point to try and hit two million viewers on Raw. Do you feel like this is uh, any sort of indication about the level of success doing the shorter matches had? Um, I mean, if anything, it does say that the first two hours, um, they pretty much lost nobody for two hours. Uh, but that, that to me, that's been the story of Raw forever, is that people will watch this for two hours and then a portion of people are done after two hours. And I don't think it matters what you have in the third hour. Um, I, I don't know if the shorter matches, like I talked to you and others that, I mean, didn't even notice it. So I think it would have to be something that's more of an established pattern that people are aware that there's that you're aiming for people with maybe a shorter attention span or not the threat of losing people with a match broken up by a commercial. Uh, we'll also see if that's going to be a permanent thing. Was that just this past Monday that they happened to do this? Um, or or if this is going to be something they try. I guess we'll know as early as, you know, SmackDown on Friday or or next Monday's Raw if it's something they're going to continue or not. Do you, do you think they will? I think they'll, they, will, they will try it for at least another week. You know, while I didn't notice that the matches were... Uh, necessarily shorter i did feel like the show never bored me i didn't think it ever dragged uh and that i thought was a positive um i i I would imagine they might continue for another week um martha hart has been doing a bunch of interviews this week in conjunction with the dark side of the ring and has had this well i won't say necessarily back and forth but uh jerry mcdivitt who has been the the legal counsel that the wwe has used for uh, forever uh, came out this week, and one of his comments uh, towards Martha here was, let me get the uh, the exact wording here, was that uh, we were basically trying to find out what happened that night regarding Owen's passing. Martha was not even remotely interested in finding out what happened that night. She just wanted to use it as a vehicle to beat up a business that she didn't like that her husband was in, the wrestling business. And Martha came back saying that, if there was one person on this planet who wanted to get to the bottom of what happened to my husband, Owen, it was me. The defense, on the other hand, was doing everything in their power to muddy the waters in an effort to detract from the case because they didn't have one. And she goes on to call McDivitt's comments absurd, reckless, and pathetic. Um, that being in an interview with our guest tomorrow, uh, David Bixenspan. But it's to me, it, it takes a lot to be Jerry McDivitt this week and come out and attack Martha Hart when I think the largest amount of people now understand um, many more layers to this um, tragedy beyond just the basics that Owen Hart fell from the top of Kemper Arena, that they're now starting to learn what was in Martha Hart's book that, you know, certain places have outlined, but now you have a much wider audience that is learning about the problems with um, the rigging of the of the stunt, the equipment that was used, the countersuit that was filed against Martha, and a lot of the details that when you go through them, really hard to come on the side of, of WWE in any form or fashion. But there is Jerry McDivitt this week that was um, going out and publicly opposing Martha Hart. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually surprised to hear some response from that side of things, especially in such a, I don't know, retali- retaliatory Oh, that's Jerry McDivitt. Mar- Jerry McDivitt is just, he he wakes up looking for, the, like, this is a guy that... Um, so so do you be- feel like this was, you know, somebody in within WWE telling him to say it, or he, he acted uh, upon himself? Uh, I don't think he's doing this... Um, Complete, like like Jerry McDivitt, he works for a law firm that, I mean, one of their clients is WWE. So it's not like this guy works like as a WWE employee, but he is like – has been their counsel forever. Um, I'm certain he's not acting on his own here and this was you know on the advice of whoever. But I mean Jerry McDivitt is a legal bulldog when it comes to this stuff. He is not someone you would ever want to be opposing uh, in, in a legal battle. I think uh, – uh, no, but I, I just think that, you know, to, to come out now, I just think that Martha Hart, if you have heard her on Dark Side of the Ring with any of these other interviews, I think that a lot of people are getting a much a deeper sense of Martha Hart now because she has stayed quiet for so long. And now that she is speaking out much more, I think that people have a much deeper understanding of this case um, if they had not read her book that now they are. Uh, becoming familiar with and it's when you see all of the preventable measures um it's it makes it that much more of a just head shaking case that this thing that owen was ever in this position and here's this woman who had the ultimate loss of all of this and what she went through i think gets uh really underplayed in terms of how she came out of this somehow um as you know a success story that this wasn't something that destroyed this woman or her family. I think it's remarkable, actually. I agree. I mean, I thought that that's what I came out of the the, the TV special with was just the incredible amount of respect I had for her uh, and her strength. So anyway, yeah, more on this uh, throughout the week. Yeah, we'll be chatting about this Thursday um, and Friday. Uh, but the last story I just want to uh, ask you about, Way, and any thoughts you have on this is this deal that Joe Rogan has announced that he's going to be uh, moving his podcast to Spotify. It's going to start in September and then around the end of the year. So in September, they'll, they'll launch on Spotify, but they'll still be on every platform. And then at the end of the year, they're going to go exclusively to Spotify. And the deal is said to be uh, multi a multi-year deal uh, worth around $100 million or so. So this is a, an enormous um, signing by Spotify to gain exclusivity to Joe Rogan uh, that some have compared to you know when Sirius signed Howard Stern all those years ago. But you know Joe Rogan started his podcast three months after you and I did our first podcast. So I'm just wondering <laughs> how, how we missed this window with Spotify. <laughs> Where the hells are... Hundred million dollar deal. Uh, you know what? Um, uh, maybe if we, you know, had Elon Musk on our show, that's where we miss. I mean, we had Damian Abraham. Did he ever smoke a joint on our show in in the post office? I don't think he did. Pretty so. sure he has. Although that one is far less controversial, I would say. <laughs> uh, um, do you think that this is going to? Because think of uh, like. Joe Rogan is is going to be the ultimate uh, litmus test for changing people's listening habits or viewing habits for that matter. Because when I listen to a podcast, I never go to Spotify. And when I go to watch a video, I'm never going to Spotify. So they are going to try and tr- retrain people's habits 
uh, to direct them to Spotify using the most successful podcaster in the world. Absolutely. Well, I mean, he's got a number of very loyal fans, and I'm sure he will continue to have great access to guests that are out there. And he's a great interviewer as well. So, you know, um, if it's a much talked about show, like, for instance, that Elon Musk one for, you know, or if Robin Black shows up again on his show, uh, I think there'll be plenty of people switching on Spotify just to check it out. Uh, you know, is it is it really going to change people's habits? Um, we'll see what else they get. I mean, Spotify clearly is very uh, aggressive now at this point, wanting to really grow its podcasting fan base, and we'll see what else they can get. I do also imagine, though, it's not like it's going to open up the floodgates and all, you know, like podcasters are suddenly going to become like, you know, the next major Hollywood celebrity. I don't see that at all. I mean, look at Sirius and how many Howard Sterns really exist out there that are getting, you know, are, are getting deals like that. Um, I think Joe's going to be an outlier and, you know, we'll see, we'll see how successful this is. All right. All of your news you can find up at postwrestling.com. A reminder that Thursday, we will also have an interview that Aaron, Andrew Thompson conducted with uh, Michael Oku. And we're also going to have audio up from uh, Cody Rhodes is doing a media uh, call on Thursday. So we'll have audio of that coming your way on Thursday. Uh, because that's Cody's go-home promo, I guess. The media Q&A, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Not at all. So Dynamite from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, started off with a limo pulling up, and the inner circle got out, and they told Alex Marvez to shut his ass, and then they all just bullied him and made their way into the arena, and they, they had a surprise tonight for the Elite. They cut to uh, Big Swole and Private Party, who were wearing uh, armbands for Shad Gaspard. And we also saw the return of Butcher and the Blade in the front row. I imagine they they were probably on Dark this week. I would hope so, because I don't know what else they were, up, they were up to. So the schedule right now is that they did the show live. They're going to presumably be live on Sunday and then live again next Wednesday. Live Saturday and then live next Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So three live shows coming up. Correct. Yes. Uh, Jim Ross had said he got to Jacksonville May the 4th and he's there until the 29th. Mm, okay. 29th would be. Yeah. Okay. That would make sense. So um, 29th. Wow. Like the Friday. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's, he's just going to move to Jacksonville. <laughs> it seems like for this week, at least they might be close to 100%. Uh, probably. Except yeah. for the international talent. Yeah, the international talent is not going to be there. But yeah, everyone else, it seems like pretty much everyone else is uh, popping up at this point. Brody Lee came out with holding the AEW title with the members of Dark Order. And Brody Lee goes to cut a promo on the stage. And all the guys in the crowd are like heckling him to the point that he had like he was getting thrown here and was telling them to be quiet. He has 10 take a knee and he just goes on and on about he sweats just like you, and he puts his pants on like you, and walking on water. He's no god. He's a man, but he operates at an elite level. They're the Lions, and he has to win on Saturday. This was a terrible promo. Uh, this was this was like one of the more important promos I think this man has ever cut for the, the final show before his AEW title match on Saturday. And... I thought this promo sucked. When you say terrible, um, I mean, what terrible. are you what are you comparing it to? 
Because in uh, my mind, make, make me feel something for this match on Saturday, which I feel very little for this Brody Lee character. And this was just like meandering like words after words after words after words. And I didn't hear any coherent message, much less have any um, heightened interest for this title match on Saturday, which to me would be the goal of this promo. I guess I wouldn't for me for me classify it necessarily as terrible. But if you're going to say ineffective, then I might agree with you. I. You know, he I think it's much of the problem here is the fact that the gimmick itself is still relatively undefined, in my opinion. It's still missing that unique hook for me to distinguish it from any sort of typical cult gimmick. Um, As far as like delivery goes, I thought he sounded fine. You know, he sounded like a capable leader of a cult faction, which is is still something that that is new for, for Brody Lee on a national stage. Sounded fine, but I just think it's it's the gimmick that that still Mm, doesn't have a whole lot of meat attached to it. I don't know. Him, him and Rollins to me are not, not uh, getting these cult like characters across to me. They're both just floundering. He then promoted 10 to high night of the dark order. Okay. All right. The high, the high night, the high night. Yeah. So yeah. he was, a- he was hanging out with Elon Musk, John Moxley versus 10, who they did identify as Preston Vance under a mask. Uh, Moxley enters from outside the arena, and Jim Ross mentioned how he saw Moxley for a few minutes on Saturday. Um, that's because the two of them and Tony Khan went to the UFC card on Saturday. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. There was a flying knee from Moxley, and uh, from there, uh, we had Moxley uh, in the corner, and he's – where is this? Sorry. I'm seeing this number 10, and it's throwing me. Uh, what we see is this Rainmaker setup by 10 into an Ace Crusher where Jim Ross says, we don't say Ace Crusher on this show to Excalibur. Uh, Moxley just hit a regular DDT, then got up, hit a Gotch-style pile driver. He's looking out for Brody Lee, and then he hits the paradigm shift for the win in four and a half minutes. Uh, a little bit of offense here for 10, but largely just uh, for Moxley to showcase some other maneuvers leading to the paradigm shift, including the gotch pile driver. Yeah, that was about as much as I really took from it. I, I thought it was, I don't know, fine match, but relatively unimpressive. Um, not, I would say, maybe on the on the level of like fun squash matches. To me, this didn't really stand out, nor was it really dramatic enough for to be considered a, a competitive match. So for me, it just kind of existed. Yeah. If anything, maybe he learned the. Uh, that's what he took from the Minoru Suzuki feud. His new his new maneuver. Yeah, sure. I would say the the first twenty minutes of this show, uh, I would eliminate this as a potential show closer on on Saturday. I'm down to it's either going to be the stadium stampede or the Cody Archer match because this feels a distant third. I agree. Moxley grabbed a chair. He uh, took off the elbow pad of ten wrapped the arm around the chair, and he doesn't know why Lee took his title, but I'm not going to be chasing you around all night like a geek. You have 10 seconds to correct your mistake, or I'm just going to break his arm. And he starts the countdown. When Brody appears on the screen, he's going to make Moxley sleep in his bed, and he just had to ask for the title back. Did I say this right? That he, he will make Moxley sleep in his bed. That's what I wrote here. I have no recollection of this line. But I'm sure he said it if I wrote it. We all need to make sacrifices during this time, so he's leaving. Thus, he is abandoning 10 
and Moxley, I guess, broke his arm because he just smashed the chair on top of it. And do you know where he slept tonight? Um, it is well, not in his bed. He's not going all the way home to Vegas. I mean, he's probably in a either hotel or some Airbnb. Actually, yeah, he's he. I believe he told Robin Black in his interview that um, he and Renee rented an Airbnb. Oh, they're okay. That that actually makes sense that they're both there during this time, mm-hmm. right? So not in his own bed, really. No, no. So, so that's what that's the threat. And he's going to send him all the way to Vegas, back into. Well, Harper's bed. Harper's not sleeping in his bed either. So. I mean, he's not from the area. <laughs> Quite. We need a deeper analysis, I think, of who's going to sleep in whose bed. Well, let me say, I was pretty restless by the end of this segment. So that's the title match. I would say um, I kept an open mind throughout this. I, I think Moxley, this just feels... Um, I don't think he's hurt or helped by this program. It just seems to be a transition for him. But I think that this was... Uh, I think that... Brody Lee has to come out and have the match of a lifetime on Saturday, and the circumstances will be difficult in this environment because the lead up to me, it it did not get this guy um, in the role of title challenger in my eyes. I agree. I mean, you know, Moxley is already very much established in a certain position, but uh, this whole program, it really is a, a major test for Brody Lee to see what he could do uh, with this amount of TV time and the amount of promo time that he's had. I would say, you know, if I had to give all of the, the build a letter grade, I might give it maybe somewhere around a C. But, C. you know, the match is where, where he can really shine and really make up for the rest. The question is, did you want to see this by the end of it? Yes. I mean, I'm still curious about the match itself. You know, to me, that, that has the most potential of anything. So I will be there uh, watching. MJF came out with a Wardlow. Uh, this is when Jim Ross brought up uh, Shad Gaspard passing away. Uh, and we had MJF taking on Marco Stunt. And MJF is continually mocking him. He even did a kip up here. And he forces Marco to put his finger into his nose. Just like really like gross. Pretty gross, but like, you know, schoolyard bullying type of stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, Wardlow grabs Stunt from the floor and is choking him on the rope. And. MJF yells to Shivani to tell him this is Jungle Boy's future. And Tony just screams, I'm not going to say that. And he says, this guy reminds me of one of my kids. Stunt then does his big comeback with a Rana, a jumping knee strike. But then Stunt gets caught up in the ring skirt. MJF misses with an axe handle. And it's Stunt just using his speed and MJF continually missing him. This was like... Roadrunner and Daredevil spots between the two as MJF misses and runs into the steps. And then as Stunt goes for a low pay to the floor, he goes into a forearm from MJF who brings him into the ring, double underhook shoulder breaker into the salt of the earth, Fujiwara armbar for the win in 558. And this was just MJF playing a cocky asshole heel and Stunt is a great baby face to play off that character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if the goal is to just have M- MJF feel like, you know, schoolyard bully, I thought that was achieved here. Um, again, not as fun of a squash match as any of Stunt's matches with the Giants, like Archer or uh, 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 Brody Lee. Um, but, you know, it, it was okay. Something st- felt to me about this show that despite the crowd being there, and last week the crowd se- even sounding really great um, on that tape show, for some reason, like the energy of the crowd to me felt like it didn't make much of a difference in this match, nor any of the other matches to me. 
the energy just didn't really feel like it had too many peaks and valleys and instead it was just kind of like at this point just background noise I, I thought they were actually detrimental during the Brody Lee promo. Like I thought the the like heckling and yelling at him was actually kind of throwing him off, and it was uh, like a clear negative for me in that segment. And, uh, and I'm with you. I didn't think the atmosphere kind of matched previous weeks, and I, I don't know why that was. Hmm. MJF uh, makes fun of Stunt some more. He said he was going to get one of his Jacksonville rats to come kiss Marco, but no one would touch his lips. So he puts on his ring. And what is going to touch his lips is the ring as he punches him in the face. And at this point, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus run down. And I have no idea why these guys didn't have his back for this whole match. I mean, Wardlow's out there choking this guy. Where was his backup? I had no idea. I mean, they were just going to wait for the ring to show up. I think that was when it went too far. That was that was enough. Well... Face-to-face segment, Tony Schiavone is in the ring and brings out Jake Roberts and Arn Anderson to their AEW themes. Jake mentions how the two of them never faced each other, and I thought this was a good line. He said, dreams and nightmares aren't real, but Lance Archer is. And Cody sacrificed Dustin just so he wouldn't have to face Archer, and Archer's a mean son of a bitch who will rip out Cody's heart, and he asks Arn if he got let out of the home tonight to come here because they haven't seen him in a few weeks and says, you're looking thick. Dude, this is the creepiest character in wrestling right now, Jake Roberts. Aaron says both of them are credible and he sees the evil permeating out of Jake. He always knew all those years that people were mesmerized by the snake which was only a distraction from the evil that Jake possessed. Jake is interrupting Arn. He's like challenging this guy to a fight. And Arn is like just getting back to the promo and says how Mike Tyson has free reign to wander anywhere in the arena, which is a hell of a stipulation he worked into his contract as title presenter. I want free reign to wander around the arena. I mean, I... Wouldn't it be terrible if, you know, you sign up for a contract signing and you're confined to, like, one room for your the entire night? I would hope that he'd be able to walk around. <laughs> he asks if Jake will throw that stupid snake onto Tyson. And Jake has promised Archer the first shot at Tyson to knock him out. And he's hoping that Bimbo Brandy was going to present the title. Arn says Cody told him that I have to win. And before Jake can get in some line, Arn just cuts him off. He's like, don't interrupt me. He has to be champion because he's one of the leaders of this company that turned the business on its head. And he tells Jake that I'm a vicious prick. And Jake, I'm glad you do your DDP yoga because you better be limber when I come and spine buster your ass. And the two have to be separated by officials at the end. Certainly they were going for a very unscripted and, you know, real feeling. And, you know, while I felt like the segment was not perfectly smooth, that was perfectly fine because it had moments of pause and interruptions that felt like they could have taken place if this was a real press conference at a boxing or a UFC event. You know, I never really felt like it hit like maybe uh, like a a real go home level type of peak, but Mm. I thought it still did a relatively good job. And for me, like, especially getting to hear Arn Anderson speak for the first time in a long time. I thought Arn sounded awesome, in particular when he really seemed to, like, you know, almost get legitimately annoyed at Jake always cutting him off. 
and him like really feeling like he was just like trying to take control of the situation again when he threatened to like spine buster jake at the end i i really got into it you know do you think that's something we're, we're going to see i think we almost have to after this tease i i liked arn a lot in this segment um this i, I was l- looking forward to this with, with both of them i i wouldn't say this was like the uh home run go home segment like you said but i i thought arn by the end really got um you know, solid end to this uh, promo. It was it was good. It was good for what it was. I, I felt this show definitely needed Cody on it. I think that was a glaring omission for this go-home show. Yeah, I mean, it certainly makes you wonder why he wasn't there, nor um, um, uh, his opponent, Lance Archer. So. I think they thought this segment would, would be enough, um, hmm. and, and I don't think it was. I, I think you, you needed Cody on this show. I think you needed that final bit of physicality between the two heading into the match just to really drive it home. Um, you know, if it was that, I, I wonder if this would have even been good enough to close the show, but as it existed, it was fine. I was more so, I think, interested in seeing how something like this would play out and whether or not it would, you know, make, make them want to do more legends kind of like face to face encounters in the future. It's certainly, you have so much talent that's still out there who can still talk. And just because, you know, guys can't wrestle, it doesn't mean they don't have much to offer to modern generations television. So I thought it, this came across relatively decently. Again, it wasn't like something that was like, wow, amazing. You have to see it. But I thought there's there's certainly potential for like, you know, still great promo battles between like legends of the past. They had a video of Darby Allen with his buddies playing cards, and they're all wearing different masks of the people that are in the ladder match on Saturday. And Allen is, uh, he has his poker chips. And he puts them all into the center. And then he lights the card on fire. So I claim this is poker. This is a different game that his buddies play. And a ladder is set up. And our final shot is Darby Allen climbing atop this ladder. And the entire side of his leg is engulfed in flames. No. It's like just another week for those guys. So that was it. That was it. This was a this was a Darby Allen video, uh, and then we got another video. This one, the returning pack, and he is howling as he has these photos open of the best friends on his table, and he says, "I was forced to sit at home and weather the storm once before. I'm not going to do it again." And it's interspersed with shots of him with a with a protective face mask on, and then without it. He calls Orange Cassidy a cocky prick. Phoenix is an assassin and to consider himself marked. And this was just Pac being a maniac for 60 seconds. So why was he wearing the mask in some scenes and not others? Um, he's a conflicted character. He does want to encourage certain safety measures. But on the other, he is deliberately disobeying his own encouragement. One was like, you know, so there were two packs on screen. One was like, you know, casually dressed pack. The other was, I guess, uh, the wrestler pack without a shirt in full gear. But that wrestler, he was wearing a a mask almost just. So he's really like, I think he's trying to socially distance from himself was the message. Yeah, exactly. I like the fact that you just out of context said uh, two pack was on the screen. (laughs) Uh, Orange Cassidy and Ray Phoenix. This is a this was very strange without the crowd because I feel in a normal arena setting, 
I think everyone would have, I think this would have torn the house down. Perhaps, yeah. The best friends come out with Cassidy and they're sent to the back. So Cassidy learned nothing from Marco Stunt. And then Phoenix does his leaping kick that he did last week that looked so awesome. But this week, Cassidy just stands and Phoenix clearly misses him. And that's the point. Cassidy has scouted this and just keeps walking. But Phoenix looked like such a dork here. I guess the idea is to rehab Orange Cassidy by having him, you know, this week outsmart Phoenix. Um, I mean, if really it was a form of 50-50 booking. Um, and I think as a result, you had somebody who looked incredibly cool last week in Ray Phoenix, perhaps, you know, immediately lose that value by coming out here and missing the kick. Like he lands on his feet and then he's just going to watch Cassidy do his entrance as he stands there that he's missed this kick and has to regroup. So the match begins. Uh, Cassidy just ducks out of the way. So Phoenix <laughs> goes for Cassidy and ends up headbutting his own head into the turnbuckle, missing him. Uh, Phoenix uh, leaped up the ropes into a leg drop from the stage. Uh, we go picture in picture, which also made its uh, long-awaited return. There's a baseball slide drop kick that sent uh, Cassidy into the cameraman, and we shot it. They shot it from the perspective of the cameraman who got hit here. Cassidy then hit this big sequence coming back, including a spinning DDT and a deep impact off the turnbuckle. Phoenix comes back. The muscle buster gets countered with a small package for a two count. They're doing a lot of cool stuff. Kip Sabian comes out with a ladder and just sits on top of this ladder like he's uh, judging a tennis match. And Phoenix hits a low blow that the referee misses because he's focused on Sabian. And then Phoenix hits the rolling cutter to pin Cassidy in 1031 after the low blow. And then Sabian gives the lazy middle finger to Cassidy. Yeah, yeah. You know, very athletic, very fast match. I thought there were some really impressive sequences within it. But for, I would say, maybe due to the the the, the crowd, the atmosphere there, it felt relatively, mm, I don't know, not special for a match. Especially like you knew what this density. could be. You knew what this could be, and it wasn't that. And I think it was also kind of, to, to me, kind of thrown off by like this finish, where it was just so... Like, what an awkward role to put Ray Phoenix in, where this guy's winning with, like, low blows and stuff against Orange Cassidy, and it just seems he's so miscast right now. The camera missed the low blow, too, so... Um, well, they, everyone was distracted by Kip Sabian, everyone. Yeah, clearly. Kazarian and Sky come out, they tip the big ladder with Kip in it, so he tumbles into the ring, and we just get all the guys running in, and a bunch of the ladder match participants are on the floor, Phoenix does this enormous dive leaping off the top rope to the floor and he just crashes down it did not look like a pretty angle it looked to be his shoulder that he might have landed near and as they're tending to him Colt Cabana runs up and does an acai moonsault over the prone Phoenix onto the others that are standing uh, Cassidy then gets launched onto everyone by the best friends and it's pretty much an excuse to get all the ladder match guys out there uh, save for a few and Hopefully, Ray Phoenix was okay here. Hopefully, they're all okay. I mean, every dive I felt like was uh, looked didn't look that 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 easy to take. So, I guess that's a sign of things to come in this ladder match. Which uh, we have nine people in and one mystery person. Okay. Nyla Rose and Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. 
Excalibur explained to JR what the boot means, uh, and it's her alien greeting. Got it. The baby faces attack. They got rid of the kendo stick. And then Britt Baker retreats to the floor, and she doesn't want to be tagged in. So it's Rose in there, and they go picture in picture. Uh, during this time, Baker gets tagged in reluctantly, uh, but then quickly Rose is right back in. Sheeta and uh, Chris Statlander lift up Nyla Rose while Baker is seated in the corner, and they proceed to hit a double-team DVD onto Britt Baker while she's sitting. And landed on like her leg or knee. And this is when this match totally fell apart. Baker is obviously hurt and they have to get Baker to the corner. Statlander is just openly communicating with Nyla Rose to try and I guess figure out something here. Nyla literally has to pull Britt Baker from one side of the ring to the other to tag her, and then she works the whole rest of this match. The doctor's out checking on Baker's knee, and uh, Sheeta's in there with Rose, and it culminates with a beast bomb with Nyla Rose pinning Sheeta in 940 ahead of their title match on Saturday. And then after the fact, Rose gets a table, and officials are helping Baker to the back, Chris Statlander stops Rose on the turnbuckle, and Sheeta delivers a superplex, putting Rose through the table. So while Sheeta loses the match, she at least gets the uh, comeuppance by superplexing Nyla Rose. But the story here was mainly Britt Baker, and uh, hopefully this is not another injury on top of it, because she looked to be in a bad way here from that spot onward. Yeah, the injury was really tough to watch, and immediately you see it, and you knew something was wrong. So hopefully she's okay. I mean... She had that nose break um, and this to come, you know, relatively like in, in short, short uh, amount of time after that would be really bad, uh, would really suck for her. So, um, but, you know, under, under, I would say perhaps uh, those circumstances, they, the rest of the participants did the best that they could to keep the match together. Um, it, I really do wonder if that was the intended finish, because it certainly is kind of odd booking ahead of a pay-per-view match. You had Nyla Rose here essentially winning a handicap match before defending her belt against the person that she ended up pinning. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, um, you know, even given the circumstances, like you would think that, okay, if we have to do a clean finish, it's Statlander taking the fall here. Um, I didn't really understand the idea of pinning Sheeta. Uh, who knows what happened here, but, I mean, uh, it wasn't like, she and Statlander couldn't finish this match. But anyway, um, that's how it finished. I, I just thought, you know, this was one where you just chalk it up like this kind of just fell apart. And it was just how do we get out of this thing by the end? So hopefully Baker's OK and we'll uh, seek an update uh, on that. Marvez interviewed John Moxley. He says everything is a reduction down to violence. And things only get worse from here for Brody Lee because of him stealing the title. He's going to drop Lee on his head with enough force to knock out a rhinoceros. And it was nice knowing you, Brody. Rhinoceros. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a hell of a threat. Yeah. Sean Spears News. SSN. He is in this uh, studio environment with the green screen. And... He's doing his best, I guess, cable news impression. And he announces Dustin Rhodes has retired, congratulating Cody because that's what he was trying to do. And he knows that retiring must be a difficult pill for Dustin to swallow. 
although 12 years ago, pills were not hard to swallow for him. He closes by saying his goal is to crack the top five in AEW and maybe I need to go into business for myself. And he challenges Dustin Rhodes. And by challenging him, it now means AEW has to book and promote this match based on some kind of logic. And Dustin can be seen at your local museum. And we come back and there's a graphic for Dustin versus Sean Spears. So this worked and this would be the quickest retirement ever. Um, as JR says, why the hell not? Coming up Saturday night, Spears and Dustin. Mm-hmm. What a weird setup for a it, match. It was weird. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, as, as far as like the, the SSN news thing goes, I mean, it's a it's a new idea that Sean Spears has. I thought the graphics looked really good. The, the whole thing, you know, the packaging looked good. But really... Um, the delivery was not. I mean, the content, I, I felt, really was just any other promo, um, except, you know... For, for no real good reason, delivered in this sort of very elaborate faux news type of setting. And I thought the content as well, like, when he announced Dustin retiring, I I, I know now that that was supposed to be trash talk, but I, I couldn't really tell if, like, Dustin, if he actually meant that Dustin Rhodes actually retired off camera, and then, like, to just talent challenge him to a match afterwards. Some of that, I think, could have used a bit more um, editing, um... You know, it's it's something different visually that I think will make him stand out. Clearly, like whatever's going on with, on with Tully, that's not going happening. Uh, whatever this whole like Sean Spear, <laughs> I'm like, imagining Tully hosting this segment. This would have been great. Oh, Tully doing it would be awesome. Yeah, I'd love to see that. But you know, whatever they were doing, like trying to audition tag team partners for Sean Spears, they'd probably drop that. So this is just like the next thing I think he's trying to really create an identity with. Definitely could use perhaps a few more attempts to really flesh out, but. Um, eh, yeah, I give, I give anybody credit for like trying to be creative and doing something unique at this point. Next week, there's going to be a battle Royal and the winner of the battle Royal gets a shot at the TNT champion in two weeks time on June 3rd. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess we shall see. They're going to do that next week. Uh, they previewed, uh, the, the stadium stampede with highlights of the street fight, street fight from two weeks ago. And the main event with Sammy Guevara, Matt Hardy, um, where we had Matt Hardy constantly going for the twist of fate and Sammy at one point uh, countered by or blocked it by using a handstand. They went through the break. There's a pair of side effects. The second one sends Sammy to the floor. Matt got out of the way of a shooting star press. And then he goes after Guevara's ankle. He takes the shoe off and starts biting his foot. Guevara comes back with a jumping knee and his springboard os cutter only gets a two count. Shooting star press, he lands on the knees. Matt cradles him for a two count and then hits one final twist of fate to win the match in 13 minutes and seven seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't really know what it is, but like a lot of the matches on the show, I, I can't really pinpoint anything really wrong with any of them, but I just felt like it was a match that lacked energy or really anything that um, made them stand out to me in any way. So. I, I thought Guevara looked good in this match, but I, I thought it dragged too at, at points. Uh, it just felt like a long match to just kind of close out the show. Um, and I think everyone knew we were getting something with the inner circle at the end. And I think by, you know, eight minutes in, you were just ready to get to the end here. Uh, it just, uh, you know, it, it just, I think it's a tough spot when you're putting Matt Hardy in like a long main event to to close the yeah. show. Um not not bad match, but not a great one either. But I do think Guevara still uh, – Guevara would really stood out to me here. So Matt gets a chair, 
and the inner circle appear, and they're inside of the football field next door, and this thing's got no sound. So Jericho is cutting some hell of a promo that we can't hear yet. They've got Kenny Omega. They toss water onto him and then attack him with a bat. And then we get the return of the Young Bucks, which they had already spoiled by putting up the graphic many times earlier in the night, revealing that the Bucks and Paige were all in the match. And the Bucks appear on this, in the stands and do cross bodies. Matt arrives, and they're all fighting. And Jim Ross mentions here that the ring will be set up at the 50-yard line on Saturday. And as they're fighting, this figure sprints down the football field, and it's Hangman Page delivering lariats, lays out everyone, the inner circle takes off, and we think the elite are all together, but then Hangman just walks away on his own, leaving the Bucks, Omega, and uh, Matt Hardy there at the end zone to pose as the drone zooms out to end the show. And they have the Elite's logo painted on one end end zone, and you would imagine the Inner Circle painted on the other one too. So this entire football field will be like decked out for this particular match, which I'm I'm pretty interested in seeing. I love seeing Paige, like you know, like when he just appeared, it was this little spell. That was a cool visual. Yeah, just got bigger and bigger and bigger as he delivered this like running lariat from like you know probably the the other end of the football field all the way to to uh, Jake Hager. Um, yeah, I mean, this was, I think, the, the ending that we all expected. Uh, it was nice to see Paige, nice to see the Bucks again. Mm, but I will say overall, like, didn't really leave this episode of Dynamite, like, that hyped for the show. Nonetheless, I think it's a pretty solid-looking card. I did not think this was a great go-home show. I I was with you. I thought by the end of it, if I was on the fence about buying this this show... I would say that typically the AEW go-home shows are really great. And part of it is you don't have a crowd. Um, but if that's kind of what I'm looking at and what I'm judging this show with, with that handicap, am I that inspired to spend money for a show that's going to be facing the same ha- handicap as well on Saturday? I, I would say if I was on the fence – I'd certainly have a a real interest because the stadium match is going to be a total spectacle. And I imagine that'll be a lot of fun and very creative. I don't know if that would be enough that I would want to buy this show. Uh, Even though I think the ladder match will be spectacular. I think Cody and Lance Archer has been built up pretty well. Um, Mm. But I I don't think this is going to be um, um, a big pay-per-view for AEW standards. I feel like the pay-per-view will be different from my expectations for Dynamite. I mean, I think what we saw in this edition of Dynamite, I, I will say, like, I felt like there were missed opportunities with great promos to be delivered on this show to really send you into that pay-per-view, like, really, like, you know, salivating and watching all of these matches. But I believe on the pay-per-view, you will see matches that mean a lot more and have more stakes attached to them than what you got on this episode of Dynamite. So I wouldn't... I, I, you know, seeing, for instance, like eh, a pretty lukewarm, like Matt Hardy, Sam Guevara match won't really affect my expectations for, you know, the pay-per-view matches in any way. Um, I think on paper, it's a really probably like, you know, I'm not going to maybe not necessarily the best card they could possibly do during this time. But like, I I still think pretty good. You know, you have the ladder match. Should Do you actually want to go through it or should we wait till tomorrow? What do you think? 
Uh, let, let's just quickly look at the uh, the lineup, the the final lineup that they've got here. Here, I'll pull it up. Sure. Um, I, I do think like the show. I'm I'm confident it's going to be a pretty good show on Saturday. I would just say um, th- this to me was like a certainly a weaker dynamite to go into it. Um, so AEW title match. It's John Moxley versus Brody Lee, Cody versus Lance Archer for the AEW TNT Championship with Mike Tyson presenting the title. MJF against Jungle Boy. The ladder match, which features Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, Luchasaurus, and the mystery person. That's going to be fantastic. I think this that's such an amazing collection of performers that I don't think that can be bad. Yeah, yeah. The only, you know, I, I mean, seeing some of the bumps that they took even in this segment had me just a little bit scared about, like, the yeah. uh, risk that some of these guys are going to take. But it'll certainly be... Poised to be a pretty spectacular match, yeah. Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida for the women's title. No DQ, no countout. Uh, Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. Oh, and we'll see. Tentative, yeah, yeah. That did not look good tonight. Um, uh, then we've got the stadium, stadium Stampede with the Elite versus the Inner Circle. Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears. Why the hell not? And on the pre-show, the buy-in, Private Party versus Best Friends, number one contenders match. So what are we, nine matches? Nine, yes. Nine matches, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, whatever happens to Burt Baker and Chris Tatlander, I I wonder, I wonder. Uh, hopefully she's okay. But if they had to scrap a match from this card, I, I, I certainly wouldn't be complaining. Um, nine is a lot. Eight is already a lot. So um, I, I'm looking forward to, I think there are a number of draws on this show, okay? And uh, maybe at, at the top is the stadium stampede, the ladder match, as you mentioned, Cody versus Archer, I I think they'll do a really good job, in particular because it's Cody on a pay-per-view match. Uh, Lance Archer, who's been fantastic. I think the story has been pretty decent. It hasn't been amazing, but it's it's been decent, and I think for a belt with Mike Tyson ringside, that to me, actually, I'm quite interested in. The rest, I would say, you know, pretty standard fare that you would expect maybe to, I don't know, be featured on a Dynamite, and I'm including Moxley versus Lee on that one, but that... I'm interested in to see how Brody Lee fares on on a on a big match outside of a WWE formula. Yep. Um and and I think Cody and Archer you've got like the tease of if you have something larger planned for Mike Tyson that I think will uh, will be intriguing for people, but I I really don't feel Tyson feels like he's any kind of difference maker on this show of in terms of people buying it or not. No, I don't either. I mean, you know, we're we're comparing if the expectation is, you know, what he did with Steve Austin and, and Shawn Michaels. Like, no, I'm just saying, like, even something smaller, like him yeah. being. Like, what, but what I mean is, you don't have the benefit of him appearing on your TV to really kind of drum up any sort of interest. He really right. just feels pretty loosely associated with this pay per view right now. Even than, to send in a promo tonight, even to send yeah. in something taped that, hey, I'm coming, and, you know, just 60 seconds would have been something tonight. It seems to me that the value of him, it's either just the cameo and that's it, it's one and done, or it's something big coming out of it that we'll, we'll get some payoff to later. But, I mean, maybe expectations are too high and maybe this is just simply it's an appearance and that's going to be it. Yeah, could be. Uh, so, yeah, we'll we'll go through the card more in depth on the Hangout on Thursday. But let's move over and check out your feedback starting off with tonight's poll what did you think of AEW Dynamite on a scale of 1 to 10 a 7.47 i think that's high for this week's show i do as well but um we'll see what the form says 
Paul from New Jersey. This Brody character is a complete misfire for me. Definitely not the route I would have taken. Jake Roberts and Arn Anderson were easily my highlight of the night. Just a quick tidbit about Dark Side of the Ring. I remember wanting to see Owen in the Hall of Fame, especially after Mark Henry's speech. However, after hearing from Martha and Owen's son, I now realize why that was foolish of me. All right. Uh, we go to our next uh, Ryan, who says, Did I just watch Ray Phoenix die? That was an ugly bump to the floor. Jake and Arn face to face. Makes me wish it happened when they could go. It was a very... The thing with the Phoenix dive was not just like the height he got, but like the amount of speed he picked up on the way down and was just rotating. And I'm just hoping he didn't like land right on the shoulder because it seemed to be that was like how his body was kind of angled. That entire series of like just dives just had me. Oh, man. Uh, Adam from the street was Darby Allen's video, the best version of the spot WWE always does on the go home show before money in the bank of a guy just needlessly climbing a ladder. But in this case, <laughs> setting himself on fire as well. <laughs> yeah, Corbin certainly didn't do that. Rory from uh, they told me how to pronounce this Poconos. Is it Poconos? We'll go with that. OK, Poconos, Pennsylvania. Really enjoyed tonight's episode. It was nice seeing Private Party in the crowd wearing SG elbow pads, and JR made a nice tribute to Shad as well. The Darby Allen and Pack vignettes were great. I like the Sean Spears new segment too, but Spears versus Rhodes at Double or Nothing is not going to make me want to shell out $50 US. However, the rest of the card looks great and I will be buying the event. Lots of hard-hitting action tonight, though it was a bummer to see Britt Baker get injured. Hope she's alright. I'm looking forward to Double or Nothing on Saturday and post-wrestling's coverage. 9 out of 10. Right answer, Rory. Uh... Okay, let's go down to Andrew from Cape Breton. Clearly, we now have proof that Brody Lee isn't like Vince McMahon at all, as he was okay with someone taking a knee. Uh, oh, okay, that was we we skipped over that. He he was forcing uh, uh, Ten to take a knee and then got upset at the way he uh, didn't take a knee. And Andrew is referring to how in the XFL everyone was to stand for the national anthem. AEW was good tonight. The highlight for me was MJF versus Marco Stunt. I do think that while Marco's role as an enhancement talent is great, I think they could benefit from having him beat large jobbers or one-off guys like Spike Dudley did back in ECW. He's perfect for this role, but if he gets a few wins under his belt, you could maybe uh, build to more drama in his matches. There were a few lowlights, though, especially with taking care of your opponents. I learned why Jim Ross loved football players so much. They can catch things really well. There were no football players under Phoenix tonight, sadly, unless they are all terrible at playing. I'm also hopeful that Britt Baker wasn't hurt after Nyla Rose was dumped on her leg. If she's fine, then I'm probably just dumb. But if she got hurt, AEW needs to reevaluate their women's division as botches tend to be frequent in their matches, sadly, especially when Chris Statlander is wrestling. Hopefully everything is okay. Six out of 10 show today and a nice distraction after the Owen documentary. Yeah, I do not think that was story at all because there was no story to be told with that other than this match seemed like a mess afterwards. Mm Mm-hmm. Alex from Portland says, Brody Lee hasn't won me over yet, but he has a great chance with a match against Moxley. Regardless of who wins or loses that match, I hope both men get the chance to have a lights-out match to showcase their CZW background. Pack getting promo time was very much needed. Out of everyone not appearing at Double or Nothing, his is the presence I feel is most lacking. I'm glad AEW made mention of Shad Gaspard, but it happening while Marco Stunt and MJF were flexing off was just odd. Question, Sean Spears apparently has a news network. What do you think of the idea of a conspiracy theorist gimmick for him? Just imagine him 
Imagine him coming out to the ring next week with a barrel of hydrochloroquine, wishing he could have Alex Jones as a tag team partner. With his charisma, I think Spears could pull it off. Um, I don't know about that uh, at all from, from any side of his argument there. I, I would say a uh, heavy no on that one. I mean, I, I certainly don't expect them to, to dive into uh, politics like that. Um, but I think the look and feel of it certainly feels like it's it's one of those, you know, very antagonizing types of very loud in your face newscasters. Um, I would say maybe more so go with the influence of of the um, aesthetic of those shows rather than maybe the the content. Doug writes in, the show was a real step down from the recent weeks tonight. The fight stream certainly, and I presume also the TV broadcast, got off to a bad start with ready with regular audio skips throughout the first segment, which is always a vibe killer. I, I didn't get that on the TSN feed, but um, nope, me maybe others did. Various bits of loose work prevailed throughout the matches, leading up to some botching and nasty moments. By the brawl after Cassidy versus Phoenix, it felt as though everyone was trying their hardest to miss their mark and risk injuring themselves all at once. I certainly hope that both Britt Baker and Ray Phoenix are well and that Cassidy's ankles didn't take too much of a battering from the barricade in his assisted dive. The show still had its moments and plenty of them. Everything just felt very loose tonight and a bit disjointed until the main event, which I very much enjoyed. The closing shot was magnificent and I'm still looking forward to Saturday night. Things just felt plagued by small and unnecessary glitches, which it hasn't in a long time. The inner circle beatdown of Kenny Omega being muted was painful, as was JR's selling of the Sean Spears Dustin Rhodes match announcement. It still gets six and a half out of ten from me. I have no regrets staying up until 3 a.m. in the UK watching it. We got a B Detroit who says, What up though? Kinda underwhelming go home show, to be honest. The Darby video was short but great. The Jake and Arm promo was kinda awkward, but the in ring stuff was pretty good besides the women's four way. Yikes. 6.5 out of 10 for me because I guess the only matches that pull me into maybe possibly buying this $50 pay-per-view are the ladder match and the stadium stampede. And for some, that might be enough. Like that, mm-hmm. Those are two enough uh, two attractions. I think everyone's interested in the stadium stampede. The ladder match looks excellent on paper, and that might be enough to convince people along with, you know, the, the Cody thing, I think, is but largely that's been pretty well built up. Mm-hmm. Jordan is our last one here from Kitchener, Ontario. Underwhelming for a go-home show for AEW standards. It's a lot better than most of WWE programming of late. To see the champion in the opening match is refreshing. Not buying the Brody Lee character, and I think it's way too soon to end Moxley's reign. The face-to-face was excellent. It took me back to my childhood with two of the best talkers of their time. I just want to say my thoughts and prayers are with Shad Gaspard's friends and family. I was really holding out hope that it could end positively. R.I.P. Yeah, um... You know, it's 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 a weird week uh, for pro wrestling, absolutely. So, you know, thank you, everybody. Yeah, hopefully we ended off um, on a brighter note with with uh, good wrestling. Well, we have many shows coming up once again. The Hangout Thursday, three p.m. Eastern time. We'll be previewing Double or Nothing. We'll be taking your phone calls to chat about. whether it's Dark Side of the Ring, your interest in Double or Nothing coming up, uh, NXT from Wednesday night, uh, and as well, we'll be joined by David Bixenspan uh, at the start of the show. So I'm looking forward to that. Rewind to SmackDown will be Friday night, and then Double or Nothing post-show, Saturday night, right after the pay-per-view. So you can check out all of that great stuff. Uh, Way, anything else you would like to mention before we get out of here? Uh, not a whole lot. Nope, not really. Nothing. Um... Have you been watching any Last Dance this week? I have, yeah. I like most people. I think we all caught. Did you catch the finale? 
I did. I did. Oh. And I, I, uh, I was an honorary uh, king of sport this week. Uh, so I will be chatting with our friends Nate and Marcus later this week. I think that show will be out Friday. A whole show, not a whole show, but uh, a segment of me chatting nothing but basketball. Oh, excellent. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. A lot well, of fun. Um, what do you think about the whole pizza deal in Utah? Do you not buy it? I do buy it. I do buy it, especially after hearing um, the director, Jason, uh, how do I say his name? Here? Hair. Hair. Hearing his full story about what exactly happened. About how. Spit. Spit on it. Spit on the pizza. I mean, he, he ordered this pizza after his friends didn't wait for him to eat dinner. And so he ordered this pizza late at night and said, I'm going to eat this whole thing by myself because you guys didn't wait for me. And so he went as far as to spit on the pizza to mark his territory. And, um, that I, I believe, I believe he got food poisoning. Like I don't, I don't look into it as like this crazy, uh, conspiracy or, or anything like that. I think he ate something bad. He got sick and that, and that's about it. I, 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 I don't have the, the theory that it was like this, premeditated thing i think he just ate something expired i think so too uh but who knows you know it's stories are fun to speculate on but um listen it made for uh one of the most memorable games in nba history that it did uh okay well let's uh we can also chat about the last dance if you'd like on thursday so that's it for us for way i am john thank you for listening to rewind a dynamite